0: welcome to the deep fried bets podcast oh my
1: blake and boomer are here for all of your weekly winners
2: oh my let's fatten up your wallet all right and welcome back everyone it's chapter four point two of the Deep Fried Bets podcast, season four, episode two. Coming back at you, Blake and Boomer are here for all of your weekly winners, and we've got some special guests joining us tonight. But first, let's check in with Boom Boom. How you doing this evening?
0: Oh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Just uh, trying to keep the the winnings rolling. I've got a couple of live bets going on on Bachelor in Paradise tonight, okay. so. Hoping, uh, hoping for an Ashley I, Ashley B, Ashley C, and Ashley L uh, showdown towards the end. So it's it's kind of a crazy parlay that I've got going on, but uh, I'm still in running for it.
2: That's a little out of my wheelhouse. But anyways, uh, like I said, it's Chapter 4.2. It's the Deep Fried Bets podcast. Got some really cool special guests joining us tonight. Uh, first up, Laura Rutledge from ESPN uh, is going to join us to talk about week one of the college football season. Uh, the interview with Laura got cut a little short, we had some uh, some phone difficulties, but we got a nice breakdown from her of week one, so we'll check out what she's got to say about that here in just a second. And then David Payne-Purdum from ESPN Chalk, David joined us last year, really insightful, I mean, it's a great interview, I mean, it's really just in-depth gambling analysis, you know, not necessarily picks or anything, but like, you know, how the line movement's going, what the market's looking like, you know, talk about the legalization, so y'all stick around for that. Obviously... NFL starts back when you hear this it'll be Thursday morning for some of you it's like Christmas morning my Christmas was last weekend with college football season but the NFL is officially back we're officially in full swing now uh we got the NFL college football week two some pretty good matchups we kind of let the NFL take the stage this weekend you know, we'll talk to David a little bit about the NFL um that'll that'll come up shortly but let's talk about college football week one uh you know we had some pretty good picks it ease into the season a little bit i went eight and six boomer had a little bit better weekend at eight five and one so we're both starting out on the winning ways um but you know some good action over the weekend obviously alabama looked really good auburn nice win in atlanta um i think boomer had a hell of a time at that game um
0: you know how how was that? yeah i feel uh i feel i feel great about the win but uh Terrible about the Troy loss, because I just want to go ahead and get that out in the air. Let's
2: let's both apologize for that.
0: (laughs) I felt super confident about that. A couple of people lost their houses. Had to take out a second mortgage. Feel bad about that also. Um, One thing I've got to say is don't mortgage your house.
2: Yeah, that was... uh, Maybe
0: mortgage a boat, but don't do a house on anything. Okay,
2: fair enough. As our good friend Marty Smith would say, that was a boat race. Uh, Boise took it to Troy... Didn't see that one coming. We both had Troy as our Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week. So in case you don't know, uh, it's your first time tuning in to the Deep Fried Best podcast. What we're going to do is, like I said, we got some sweet interviews that we'll get to. We're going to break down week two of the college football season. We're just going to hit – we usually hit the marquee games every weekend because that's what you're going to be watching. You want to have some action on that. So we'll do that for college football. Then we'll do that for NFL. And then at the end of the show, what we have is called our vault. It's our five favorite picks that aren't like the main games. It's like this weekend, you know, Georgia, South Carolina, Clemson, Texas AM are, you know, kind of the marquee college football games. So we're going to give you five games in the NFL and college football that aren't, you know, the main scheduled games. That's where you're really going to get a lot of value. And then what we like to do at the end of the show, it's everybody's favorite part of the week. It's called the Stone Cold Steve Austin Lock of the Week. And it's our favorite pick of the weekend. Usually the success rate on the Stone Cold Steve Austin Locks of the Week are really, really good. Obviously, we both started the season off. On a losing note, which only means that we can double it up this weekend. But, let's, let's, you know, before we get into two, we're not going to go recap week one all over again. But we are going to, we're going to give Boomer the opportunity to walk his pick back. So in case you didn't know, he uh, picked Michigan to make the playoff for like the fifth year in a row. Uh, still hasn't happened. Harbaugh hasn't finished above third in his division. But he still picked him and he still picked him to win the national championship. Uh, we're going to give you the opportunity now, Boomer, to walk that back a little bit. Are you going to do it?
0: Hell no! You got a good damn mind. I am Michigan through and through. Got to have loyalty in this game. As long as you stick with the team, you'll get paid out of the back end. Now, in all fairness, the lights were kind of going in and out during that Michigan Notre Dame game okay. after uh, after the celebrating of the uh, Auburn Tigers beat down. But. Uh, I mean, in all fairness, that game could have gone either way. I don't think that that was a knockout game for either team. I think both teams are great. I can tell
2: tell by your statement there that you did have a few too many Titos on the rocks at the Auburn game. It could not have gone either way, but go ahead.
0: (laughs) Well, I will say that I uh, was selfish in the game and live betted at halftime to go into my money back on it. That being said, that game probably – had a little bit more of an impact than the Auburn-Washington game did. Yeah, Washington's totally out, totally out of it at this point. I feel Michigan still has enough of the tank with the wins against Penn State, who looks very terrible. It may not be right by the time they get there. Ohio State, Wisconsin, who uh, I'm super down on. And uh, Michigan State, if they don't get their ass beat this weekend. So, you know, I mean – yeah, it was a loss. It wasn't a terrible loss. It was a seven-point loss. So I mean, what wasn't wasn't like the uh, the Troy Boise stay game. I'll leave it at that.
2: Okay. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they've got an opportunity. They've got the schedule in front of them to get back in it. But I don't see they, I don't think they can lose again. Anyways, that was kind of the big thing take away from week one. We're not gonna do too much in depth by now. Thursday morning, you're ready to get to week two. Uh, we'll turn the page, baby. Let's let's go to it. But. Before we really get into it, let's check in with Laura. Uh, We'll we'll see what she had to say about week one, kind of what she saw, um, and maybe kind of a a look ahead going forward. So let's check in with Laura Rutledge of ESPN. All right, everyone, we'd like to welcome Laura Rutledge to the Deep Fried Bets podcast. Uh, Laura's coming to us from ESPN, SEC Nation, um, host SEC Nation, uh, all over college football. Laura, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing this evening?
3: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
2: Absolutely. So... We got week two coming up this weekend. College football week one is officially in the books as of Monday night. What really stood out to you the most uh, through week one of the college football season?
3: Yeah, I mean, certainly a lot to kind of chew on. You know, I feel like that Auburn-Washington game was really going to be the biggest playoff impactor of any game week one. and for Auburn to come out and make that statement in a well sought game. I mean, certainly they look sloppy at times, but I think you see the potential there for Auburn. they got a really young O-line, and yet Jarrett Stidham still able to show those flashes of what made him really good last year, what could make him great this year. And then I think you look at the defense and you just see that dominance. Despite too many penalties for that defense, go get some of that stuff cleaned up. And I think it just puts all of the spotlight on that week three matchup against LSU. And, you know, speaking of LSU, I did not see that type of victory coming for LSU yeah. over Miami. <laughs> I thought <I> <laughs> they would win that game, right? Like I thought they'd win that game, but I didn't think that it would look like that. So I think we all kind of underestimated LSU and maybe overestimated Miami a little bit. Although I wasn't even that high on them, but I think you just see how stingy LSU's defense is. They've got some absolute dudes at those positions that can, you know, certainly play man to man. And then you know you look at Joe Burrow at the quarterback spot. That's been the thing that's been missing for LSU. Everyone's Talked about it, and, and certainly it has a lot to do with Burrow. But I think one thing that was was a little exciting for LSU fans is the fact that their offense looks a little more balanced, and that's why you know Steve Insvinger was brought in to make that change, and you know maybe even Danny Etling could have looked better in right. that offense. So credit to Burrow, but also credit to Insvinger for a better offensive game plan.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I think I kind of bought into the uh, the turnover chain hype a little too much on Miami because uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I obviously the turnover differential might have been a big deal a lot of bigger deal last year than we're talking about. But with Joe Burrow, do you think he's the right guy? Is he the answer at LSU? Is Is he someone that can guide them to maybe a possible playoff run?
3: Yeah, you know, I think so. I mean, here's the thing. I don't know that he has to do all that much. And that's what's sort of unique about LSU is, you know, they really do have a lot of playmakers, a lot of options. I mean, look at Nick Brosell, who really hadn't been a factor in their offense like ever during his career. And all of a sudden this guy's got two touchdowns and and really does look like sort of a force to be reckoned with for them. So I think they've got weapons, I think, for really for what burrow needs to do he'll be just fine um you know to me there may be some teams and that's where like an alabama comes to mind or an auburn as well these teams that do have these dominant lines it's going to be different certainly than what they saw from miami but uh i do think that they should be able to compete and and be you know they've always been a team i mean lsu's played alabama close the last few years at least for a little while in the game and they've always been a team that's got the athletes they've got some playmakers just a matter of being a complete team so you know they've got a tough schedule and you know seven games in that's when all of a sudden Alabama comes to town and and who knows what their record looks like at that point but they did start the season on on a note that I believe was way more dominant than we saw coming yep
2: I agree so you kind of hit on Auburn a little bit ago with uh, the the big win over Washington so you know Stidham looked great the defense looked awesome the only concern really coming out of Auburn was the running game and you know a lot of Gus's system predicated on the the running game being able to work what did you think about that was that something that just Washington such a def, uh, dominant defensive line or is it something Auburn's gonna have to work on
3: I think it's kind of both I mean Washington's D line is really good obviously it was even better last year but but it's still talented this year and they are a very complete team uh top to bottom whether it's offense or defense but so I think for what for the, the deal is with Auburn this year, they do have a young alliance. So, some of the ways they we'll able to run the ball, is, to me, the alliance that outperforms my spot. But there will be some growing pains. And the one interesting thing about Gus Carry on. He could obviously run him up the middle and he could make a lot of hay that way. Gus Johnson, Gus Johnson, is probably one of the best guys, though, is game planning for perimeter run game, and that's where I really think we'll see Auburn kind of change things up if they're not having success running the ball up the middle. They do have some guys who can do that, to me, that's where you kind of say, hey, some of these young freshmen who they've got you know, they're having to play because they just don't have another choice. I believe they'll kinda of get in, involved in some of that perimeter run game. And that's where Gus can really show kind of what, what type of offensive mind he is. So I, I think I'd already seen in practice and work on some of that stuff. I think we'll see even more of that as they try to figure out ways to successfully run the football and really make their offense balance so that you know Jared Siddham is a threat when it comes to throwing the ball and defenses defenses can't just, you know, load the box and try to, you know, make him pay for that.
2: Gotcha. All right, so we kind of hit on Miami a little bit earlier. Um, you know, they were one of the bigger disappointments of week one. And uh, Florida State and Michigan and probably the, the other two. Is, is it time to panic, especially maybe in Michigan?
3: Yeah, you know, Michigan at this point. I mean, here's the thing. I do want to give credit to Notre Dame because I do think that they're a team that, you know, everyone kind of said, well, they sort of petered off at the end of the year last year. But Brandon Wimbush is talented. It's just a matter of can he throw the football. Uh, But then you look at Michigan, and and here's the thing about Michigan that concerns me: it's not just losing that game uh, early on to start the season. That's an issue. But to me, the bigger thing is the fact that you're putting Shea Patterson, who frankly has tendencies that are similar to Johnny Manziel. He's a guy who can really do a lot. Uh, Yeah, I'm not saying he's Johnny Manziel, but he does have that skill set. He's got a little bit of a Baker Mayfield-type skill set, too. And you're putting him in an offense that he doesn't belong in. So unless they make drastic changes offensively, you're not putting Shea Patterson in a a scenario where he can have success. And that's where I think, you know, whatever Harbaugh does, he's got to, have some flexibility and make some changes to give his quarterback more comfortable. I am almost to the point of pressing the panic button on Michigan. I don't usually do that week one, you know, after just one week of the season, but I just think if you look at what they've already, you know, dealt with in the big 10, the story is that Harbaugh can't beat his rivals and, Ohio State looks completely dominant, so I don't know how they're going to beat them. Then you got Michigan State, who's a really good team, even though they didn't look that great week one. Penn State, obviously, there's some question marks. But to me, if he can't, Harbaugh can't make some major ground up in the Big Ten and really show that you know what happened against Notre Dame is sort of an aberration. I think his job is in question at this point.
2: Yeah, that's kind of one of those. It's. You, you kind of start looking. Maybe he sniffs back to the NFL, see if there's any anything calling there. All right. Again, big thanks to Laura. Like I said, we cut, we got cut out there at the end. Um, we'll try to get her back on at some point during the season, obviously. Uh, maybe when the college football season gets a little more rolling along and see where we are. Um, but I really appreciate her t- joining us this week. That was an awesome guest to have. Um, so let's talk about it, boom. It's college football. It's week two. The marquee matchup's generally we're all last weekend. Nothing too, too crazy this weekend. A couple of interesting road games. Uh, Georgia South Carolina is going to be, to me, that's the matchup of the weekend, just because it's an SEC East showdown. You're going to see what Georgia's got right off the bat. It's the 230 CBS game, or 330 you're in your neck of the woods. South Carolina is a 10-point home dog. Where do you see that at?
0: Well, I, this is going to be my favorite game of the weekend um, to watch, not to gamble on obviously. But South Carolina's getting them in Columbia. I mean, if yep. you've ever watched the, the Hypo video, it's honestly a pretty badass place It's, it's to a football game. <laughs> they get after it, especially if it's a close game early. Now, the line started at nine and a half. The line opened at that because every single person in Vegas, every single line maker, knew that they were going to get money on Georgia, so they are covering liability. That being said, money's flooding on Georgia, knocked it to 10. I think that Jake Bentley has enough in his arsenal to keep this game close. I think that uh, Debo Samuel, super underrated athlete in SEC, I think he makes a name for himself this weekend. Uh, Georgia, very tough task with uh, Austin P last weekend. Let's go, Pete. Definitely
3: definitely
0: didn't have a look-ahead game. But, you know, Kirby and Will, they played football together in Georgia. They know each other. They're friends. I think this is just going to be a knockdown, dragout drag-out fight and definitely does not run away from 10 for either team.
2: Yep, I'm with you. I I like South Carolina here as well. You kind of hit on it. South Carolina is a pretty wild place to play. It doesn't get the, uh, I guess, the respect it deserves. One of the craziest atmospheres I've ever seen, I went up there in 2010 when Steven Garcia had the Jesus moment, you know, game of his life. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey went buck wild, and they put it on Alabama pretty good. And that place was nuts. I mean, you get Sandstorm going, you get 65,000 just living it up with those towels, 230, they'll be ready. Um, You know, South Carolina hadn't given them a reason this year so far not to be ready for that. They've still got Kentucky down the line, which I'm sure they'll drop. But uh, this is, you know, they took care of Coastal Coastal Carolina Chanticleers last weekend. I thought it might be a little bit of a look ahead spot, but they were able to take care of Coastal Carolina, cover the spread. Georgia took care of Austin P. I don't know if they covered or not, but this is the game that's it's really going to set the tone. A lot of people think South Carolina could be a sleeper team in the SEC East. You're going to find out Saturday. I'm with you. I think Jacob Bentley or Jake Bentley's got enough to keep it close. Debo you,
0: Sam- can you,
2: call him by, you can call him by his name, Jacob. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll yeah, we're, we're on a uh, formal basis around here. But uh, Debo Samuel, you're right. He's a uh, Christian Kirk kind of guy, You know, playmaker, going to make a name. He's going to make some plays. You know, um, Kirby was already out talking about Debo earlier in the week and last week some, too, just about how he is one of the most underrated players in the country. He was hurt last year, so I think he's back 100%. I think South Carolina keeps it close. I could say like a 24-20, maybe 24-17, something like that. But South Carolina, they stayed within the number at home on Saturday. Uh, next up, the primetime or a primetime matchup. We got Clemson, minus 12, going to Texas A&M. Sumlin, or someone is gone. It's now officially... The uh, wow, I'm drawing a blank here. Jimbo Fisher, wow, that was bad. Uh, the Jimbo Fisher era, <laughs> he's underway, not
0: really that big of a name. I hear you, but right. yeah, I, I forgot his
2: name for too. $75 million over 10 years. You think you would remember the guy's name, but um, yeah, so Jimbo got off to a nice one and start. They had the Thursday night game, which I think is a big deal here. You know, at 12 points, it probably hopefully you get to about 13 by kickoff. Clemson, the favorites, uh, and obviously, and the money is still coming in on them. They're uh I, I got Clemson going to the playoffs, so obviously I think they come out of this game alive. But Texas AM still has SEC athletes. They're still a really good team. The whole thing with Sumlin was and he was still going eight and four, nine and three every year. It was just that he couldn't that they had too much talent to be doing eight and four, not not winning ten games a year. They've got a lot of talent on that roster. Jimbo's gonna get him there. You know he he's gonna get more talent there at some point. Whether he can coach it up to a national championship level is too to be determined. But he doesn't have to do that Saturday. He's just got to keep it within two touchdowns, a little bit closer. Hopefully, it'll get close to thirteen. But I like Texas A and a lot at home. That that uh the atmosphere will wreak havoc. Low scoring game won't be a crazy crazy high number. But uh, I like Texas A M. Boom.
0: Yeah, I don't really have a side on this one, but I do agree with you that it'll be low scoring. Just I think we touched on it last week. How, uh, nasty Texas A&M's defensive line is. They rotate in eight people basically. They've stayed in strong suit this year so far is, uh, with Trayvon Williams at running back. I think Jimbo will have enough of a game plan to, of course, try to slow it down, not let Kelly Bryant uh, score too, too much. The total is at 54 right now. I think that you would be looking. Texas AM and to score between seventeen and twenty-one points for that to hit. I don't think the Clemson defense is going to give that up in this game. I, I love the under right here.
2: Okay, so you're officially going with the under here, uh, Texas A&M and Clemson. I like that. Like I said, I think it low scoring too. Under fifty-four. All right, so the uh, the the primetime matchup we've got. We're going out west. We got Southern Cal, USC plus five, going to Stanford. Stanford uh had a nice Friday night win against San Diego State, a little revenge game. Uh USC failed to cover the number against a UNLV team. That was a game you were on last weekend, boom. JT Daniels, true freshman coming in, getting the start, first true road game. I think with uh with a week to kind of ease him in, that's going to help be helpful for them. But what what's your take on this one?
0: Yeah, I mean I I don't love the side that I'm going to I'm going to throw out there this week, but I think that uh, last week Stanford showed that they can totally change their offense in game and still win by a significant margin. I mean, cause Castellano won that game by himself. Bryce Love was totally shut down by a decent San Diego state defense. Right. Obviously USC is going to have better athletes, but I think Bryce Love comes into this game pretty pissed off. Don't forget. He was uh, the highest front runner coming into the season. Now they have, confidence in an air raid, playing against uh, a what 17-year-old quarterback yeah. on the other side. I think Stanford shows that they are clearly the best team in the Pac-12 this year with Washington going down last week, and I think that they win this game by 10 points.
2: Okay. I'm um, fading you here. I think that USC wins this outright, but I'm going to take the five to be safe. <sighs> Stanford, it's not an intimidating place to play. Um, you know, friend of the show, Eddie Lowe, went last year. Uh, told me this just kind of like they were just kind of there hanging out. Like, it's not a crazy place. They're not, it's not going to be rowdy. And they'll get up for this. Obviously, it's USC. They want to get the win. But I, I think that uh, they've got more athletes on the USC side. Like, I'm not sold on Clay Helton, but David Shaw. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm not sold on him either. I don't think that they looked super good last. I mean, week.
0: come on, David Shaw is clearly a better coach than Clay. Heldon. Oh
2: yeah, yeah, you know for sure. I, I would take David Shaw over Clay Helton nine days a week, but I don't think that. I think he's an overrated coach. I think he gets way too much hype. You know, he's the kind of guy you hear his name every time an NFL job comes open. I don't think he's on that level. He's never really done much at Stanford. They've gotten to a couple BCS games, but that was when they had Andrew Luck. What has he done since he got rid of Andrew Luck? I, I think he's overrated is what I'm getting at. And I think the USC public's like 75% on Stanford in this, which is kind of crazy because you're getting USC and you're going against the public. So I'm going to take him plus five. Might look to see the money line when he gets a little closer to kickoff. So that's all we've got in terms of scheduled NFL games this or scheduled college football games this week. Like I said, NFL is kicking off. And we had a great guest list. Uh, Speaking of, we got David Purdom from ESPN Chalk. Let's go ahead and get to that. Uh, Great insight on just kind of the betting landscape as a whole. So y'all take a listen to this. All right, folks. We'd like to welcome David Payne Purdom to the Deep Fried Bets podcast. David, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Uh, So David's coming to us from ESPN Chalk. Uh, He's a gambling writer. So we talked to him last year. It was a huge hit. Everyone loved having him on. So... Really excited to have him back for a uh, second year, and we're gonna really kind of get into the NFL season with it kicking off uh, tonight. As at the time you're listening to this, so David, um, you know, like I said, NFL season kicking off. It's finally here. First game, we got the um, Falcons and the Eagles. What? Uh, what is? That? Have you seen anything crazy out of that with a line movement with Foles and Wentz?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: It's got uh, all the way down to one. The Eagles are one-point favorites right now.
1: I mean, that line was up as high as, I think, five-and-a-half at one point when it first came out. And, you know, they put up these early lines back in April. Uh, but at one point, it was Philadelphia five-and-a-half, and I just looked at it just a couple minutes ago, and it's, it's all the way down to minus one. So there's a line-moving money uh, on the underdog Falcons against the defending champs. And uh, that's kind of one of the storylines from the off-season betting that, the Eagles, defending champion, look great, beat the Patriots. Uh, they're not getting a lot of respect from the betting market. So I thought that was kind of one of the interesting storylines to look at saw,
2: Yeah, it's all, uh, it looks like the public seems to be all over the Falcons in that scenario, too. It does look like I got some betting percentages from some of the new books up in New Jersey now. Uh, it was like
1: 80% of the money was on the Falcons in that game. Uh, I think that was that draft teams and fan duel who are both operating sportsbooks up there in New Jersey now. So right in, you know, Eagles land, and it's still everybody's betting on the Falcons. So uh, interesting line movement for sure on that. Um, You know, when I looked at the Eagles and the Super Bowl odds this week, uh, on Monday there was 10 teams that had better odds uh, than the Eagles to win the Super Bowl at one Las Vegas sportsbook, and I thought that was incredible.
2: Yeah, that's insane. Um, All right, so you kind of mentioned it, New Jersey. Uh, you know, one of the first states to institute the, the legal sports betting. Now that now that we are, mm-hmm. what do you think? Can um, maybe an outlook for all fifty states? You know, do you see a timeline or anything like that?
1: All fifty states—it's going to be a while. We yep. may never get there. It's going to be very difficult for a Utah or a Hawaii. Or even some of the Florida's, uh, some of the real deep South states, uh, Georgia. Here where I'm at, you know, we, we're one of the few states that doesn't have casinos. So I, I think uh, they may get there eventually, but it's going to be one of the last. But I think by, I think the most projections here, about three years, four years, we're going to have more than half of the states in the okay. U.S. offering legalized sports betting. And the, you know, right now we have five. We got New Jersey, as you mentioned. We got Nevada, of course. We got Mississippi. We got Delaware. Uh, and we got West Virginia that started up this weekend, so we got five states. That's ten percent. And to think about, you know, where we've come from—from from, you know, only having it in Nevada primarily—to uh, having ten percent of all states has been a pretty incredible, dramatic shift.
2: Yeah, I'm um, here in Alabama, so I fully expect us to be the last state <laughs> to, uh, to legalize <laughs> it. So, um, all right, so. You kind of hit on a second ago the Eagles and the 10th best odds to win the Super Bowl. Where's the money flocking to right now in terms of uh, the bets uh, for the Super Bowl you know, futures?
1: It, it's funny. It's funny because we're seeing in Nevada uh, the most heavily bet team is the Rams. Everybody is really jumping on board the Rams bad wanking. Now if we look at that and the Rams in Los Angeles, they're only three four hours away from Las Vegas. Shift over to New Jersey and some of those new sports books over there, and everybody is betting on the Giants. So there's some regional bias going on for sure. Uh, now that said, I, I completely think the Rams are a legitimate contender. I mean, right. Gosh, they added uh, Sue on that defensive line with a Donald. That's going to be a, a just a brutal defensive line. I really think they uh, they are a solid team. I think they got a chance. So, uh, uh, but if the betting public is sided with the Rams uh in a lot of places and then if you go to New Jersey they're back in the Giants and I don't see that play at all
2: no no I didn't uh didn't sound like the best play when you said it. so um (laughs) what about a team like Atlanta uh you know kind of coming off a Super Bowl a couple years ago uh, or a Super Bowl appearance a couple years ago are they a team that's attracting a lot of money
1: you know they're one of the teams that have better odds than the Eagles uh, at least to start the week. Uh, when I looked at the Westgate Superbook, uh, some of these odds have adjusted a little bit. And I'm looking here at William Hill's. This is a uh, every book they have The Falcons are 15 to one. Uh, they have the Eagles, I believe, at nine to one. So, uh, but at some other books, you know the the Falcons had a better odds. And I, you know. You feel like they were better than they ended up last year. They didn't manage to get Julio Jones the ball very much, especially in the red zone. It was a down year for Julio. Uh, he's obviously one of the elite talents in the league, so you gotta kind of figure that he'll uh, regroup a little bit and we'll see more of uh, big numbers out of him. So yeah, I mean, I think Alan is a, a contender. The NFC is just really. Uh, know, we're cluttered with about five, six teams that we could all name here that are absolutely, really have a legitimate chance. So and I
2: would definitely put the Falcons in that group. So have the Patriots tapered off any in terms of the public love?
1: You know, they're the consensus favorites everywhere. No. Um, uh,
0: they have not
1: attracted as much many bets, but they have the lowest odds. And so sometimes uh, the betting public doesn't necessarily uh, jump on board. They like to bet a little to to win a lot. And so when you're back to bet, uh, you know, seven hundred dollars to a thousand dollars to win. Uh, I think what are they, six to one? So you just don't get a big payout. So it's not unusual. Uh, however, I say that, and uh, you know, my rudimentary handicapping skills. I, I kind of think that maybe they, it's time for them to take a step back a little bit, yep. uh, you know, maybe last uh, the Super Bowl was the first step on that. So uh, I'm kind of down on the on the Patriots a little bit this year.
2: Yeah, I think you might kind of see that. Uh, public trend there as well. So we talked about the legalization. What, Mm -hmm. what are they expecting in terms of like a ticket increase this year? Um, I I know it's kind of hard to track with the offsite or, um, you know, offshore and all that kind of stuff. But now that it's kind of legalized more, do you see more people, you know, take the the moral stand or, you know, maybe come off their moral high ground a little bit? What are they expecting this year?
1: You know, it's an interesting topic, and it's, there's a lot of debate about it because nobody really knows how many people are. Are we going to get this big influx of people that have said, "No, I'm not betting if I have to bet offshore," but now that it's legal, I'm going to. I don't know how many people or those are. If you wanted to bet, you know, you were into sports betting in the past. It wasn't hard to find somebody to bet with, either a local bookmaker or an offshore bookmaker. Uh, but I do think uh, the legal tag will draw some people. How significant of an increase that is, I'm not really sure. Um, there was an interesting study that came out today, though, uh, from a really a respected research firm called Eilers and CryCheck Gaming. Those guys did a really good job up there. and uh, They let a report out today, and they projected that uh, New-, New Jersey um, is going to surpass Nevada oh, wow! Uh, in total handle in total within three years. So that's how much this landscape is changing and how quickly it is. Within three years, the Las Vegas will no longer be the uh, the largest sports betting market in the U.S., which is pretty uh, – it's been that way for a long, long time. So yeah. it's a definite change.
2: Yeah, that's kind of a shock to system to hear. So um, mm-hmm. you're kind of continuing the public trend. With a team like the Browns and they're on hard knocks, and you know they're kind of front and center in the storylines all throughout the off season. Say the teams that are on hard knocks, do they generally see an uptick in betting? Um, you know, maybe with the Browns, not necessarily Super Bowl odds, but you know from like week to week, week one action.
1: Right. You know, some people thought that, and they, they pointed out the Browns because there was some interest, in betting on the Browns. I mean, they got their odds down to. I want to say it was low as a uh, 20 to one to win the uh, AFC. It was really low wow. it was way worse for an 0 and 16 team this next year. Um, so there had been some, I don't know if it's hard work, uh, not related or more of it. Hey, they had a Tyra Taylor. They drafted who looks like a solid rookie quarterback in Baker Mayfield. They had a Jarvis Landry, uh, wide receiver, Carlos Hyde, uh, a running back. So they really did a overall uh, roster, you know, overhaul there. And a lot of the sharp odds makers, the guys that I talked to down in Vegas, the guys that are really paying attention, uh, they really like the Browns. They think, you know, six, seven wins is probably not enough. They're more looking at as an eight-win team. And that's because you know, if you get eight, eight, maybe you squeak out another, gets nine to seven. Maybe this is a playoff team. But, you know, there has been some interest in betting. In fact, I know of one guy, a uh, $1,000 on the Browns to win the Super Bowl at 100 to one. That's a $100,000 wow. payout. So, yeah, there is some interest on the Browns. I don't know if it's Hard hard Knocks related or
2: not. Okay. All right, so what, um, you know, opening weekend, obviously, is this the most uh, wagered weekend, obviously, outside of probably the Super Bowl and some of the playoffs, but in terms of the regular season, is this the the heaviest weekend of action?
1: Uh, Yeah, September uh, overall in the month uh, is the heaviest bet there. In Nevada, it has been uh, year after year. after year September always generates the most handle, um, it's really interesting there because uh, throughout the history of Nevada sports betting, like you have records dating back to 30, 40 years, uh, Nevada has yeah. never had a losing September. They've won every time. So I always try to figure out why that is. Why are guys just worse? And everybody just says that there's more. More money in play in September, and a lot of that money, you know, they, it kind of goes away. They lose it, and they don't have any more to bet, so the other months kind of decrease. But I, I don't know if that's a scientific proven theory on exactly how that works, but uh, it is interesting to note that September is always just the biggest month for uh, not only the Mount Blazer, but the amount won by the books.
2: Yeah, it seems like a nice month-long fade-the-public opportunity <laughs>
0: yeah definitely definitely
2: so have you noticed anything you know we talked about the brown or the uh the eagle eagles and falcons that line movement obviously with Foles being named the starter instead of Wentz. you see anything else crazy this weekend that kind of caught your eye yeah the two
1: other games that have had some significant line movement again is the browns uh steelers are at the browns they're uh Opened as a seven point favorite. Pittsburgh did uh, on the road. That number's all the way down to three and a half at one book I'm looking at right here. Yep. There's a lot of fours out there. So that's a pretty significant move. Obvious Levy on Bell not going to play, probably had a little bit of
0: impact on that. But again,
1: this is uh, a lot of people do have some uh, pretty high expectations for the Browns. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that play out. The other game that's really kind of uh, generated a lot of attention is Buffalo Ravens. It's not the sexiest game out there. Uh, But that line is opened at three. Ravens remind us she's a three-point favorite over the Bills. It's now all the way up to seven and a half. Uh, So that that line has moved significantly. And obviously Buffalo, uh, you know, they shipped out A.J. McCarron. They thought that he was going to be the guy. And now they're stuck with uh, Nathan Peterson, who uh, played at Tennessee and transferred to Pittsburgh and you know he's got a strong arm but last time we saw him I think he threw five interceptions in yeah. a game for first, Buffalo first so, half yeah. Uh, how, yeah first half yeah you're right so uh, I don't know how much faith people have in them and the action in fact one of the bookmakers told him called the Bills a train wreck said that uh, he is encouraging as much money on the over on the Bills win total, which is down to five and a half as he can possibly get. So uh, he feels that like he's going to need Buffalo every week. Week after week, the public is going to be betting against the Bills. So uh, those are two games and two little storylines that I've noticed.
2: Okay. So, you know, we uh, do, do a lot of college football on the show and obviously we do the NFL as well. In terms of like a normal weekend, um, you know, what's the ticket count look like from a, you know, just like a marquee Saturday night primetime game versus just a noon NFL Browns versus Steelers game?
1: It it, it gets pretty even when you're talking about the marquee college game versus the ho hum average uh, football game or NFL game on a Sunday. Uh, The books say it is pretty even, the handle is very similar. Now, where the difference is, is those big NFL games, the way those singled-out games like the Sunday uh, night game this weekend against Bears-Packers, uh, that's going to do massive, massive handle. We're talking seven figures of handle in certain books. Uh, you know. So we're looking at it probably, I don't think it's too extreme to say we might get to eight figures, which would be $10 million wow. uh, wagered on that game alone. And you just don't get see the, uh, the college games ever get to that high and it's not necessarily because of the lack of interest but it's the um the books will take larger amounts on the NFL the lines are a lot tighter you know we don't see the 35 and 38 point spreads uh, like we do in college so uh, the lines are believed to be a little bit more tight a little bit more accurate a little more solidified which allows the sports books to, to take like larger wagers on the NFL
2: okay all right, so we'll get you out of here on this. You know, we kind of talked about some, some crazy NFL line movement. Have you seen anything in the college game this weekend that kind of caught your eye? You know,
1: I looked at that Clemson match um, at Texas A&M. I thought that was kind of one of the, the interesting games of this week. Uh, Clemson opened as a high as a 14-point favorite. That's been bet down to 12, 12-and-a-half. 12 uh, Jimbo Fisher over there, the new coach at A&M, getting a little respect from the betting market there. I think that's one of the marquee games. I guess the other one is probably Georgia-South Carolina, a pretty right. good SEC matchup. Uh, Georgia going to South Carolina. Georgia's giving 10 right now. Uh, that's a lot of points. Uh, a lot of people think South Carolina's an improved team. i uh, got a good quarterback there in the Bentley kid. Um, you know, I don't know. They didn't get much out of that that win over Coastal Carolina, but neither uh, did Georgia get a win over her in their win over Austin P. So, uh, I think that's one to watch. Though, uh, you know, Muschamp, uh, the coach for South Carolina, has been very traditionally good as an underdog. Uh, in fact, I got a stat right up here. He's nine five and one against the spread as an underdog at South Carolina. Okay. So getting ten points at home this week, uh, that'll be something I, I take a stab at.
2: Okay all right well there, there you go nine five and one against the spread as an underdog must champ is all right david well thanks so much again for joining us again everyone y'all gotta check him out uh david payne purdom he's on espn chalk you can find him on twitter at david purdom p-u-r-d-u-m um thanks again david for joining us and uh we appreciate it
1: thanks for having me guys good luck this season all right, thank you.
2: All right and again thanks to david purdom from espn chalk y'all check him out great follow you know he's not the guy that's going to be coming out every week giving you the picks he's not going to you know tell you what he's what side he's on he's going to give you like the behind the scenes the uh the ticket count that kind of stuff I mean, he's just a fascinating guy i love reading all this stuff espn chalk so y'all be sure to check him out so like we said we kind of hit on it the nfl it's back it's officially back like i said by the time you're listening to this it will be thursday night kickoff we've got the eagles we got the falcons we'll get to that here in a minute but, you know, we wouldn't be doing you right if we didn't come in and give you a Super Bowl pick. So it's really hard to forecast like nobody before last year had the Eagles winning the whole thing. So let's give you some some teams that like and some odds that you like. Boomer, who who are some teams that you're kinda of looking at that might give you a little bit of value going into the year?
0: Man, I mean you, you just said it on it. Who in the hell had the damn Eagles going in to last season? No one. Uh would you did you have the odds in front of you of what those were going in? I think
2: they were like you know thirty or twenty something to one. It was not. I don't remember exactly, but
0: it it was they were outlandish. I think that they were twenty five to one. That was with Carson Wentz, pretty much being an unknown entity coming in now.
2: Yeah, uh, forty to believe, one was released right before the year started. So there you go. Oh,
0: so double. There you go. Double that. That's what you could have gotten, folks. Now, Blake, you want to explain to everybody what that means uh, in monetary value?
2: Yeah, you bet a hundred, you win four hundred or four
0: thousand. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, we're going to try to find that team that's going to win you four thousand this year. Now, personally, from who I think has a solid chance to win, I like the Minnesota Vikings yep. at plus eleven hundred. You're gonna get a little bit of value. They obviously made it down the stretch last year. Probably would have made it to the Super Bowl, uh, had it not been for a ridiculous play by what is it Sendejo? In that now? total whiff. In that total whiff and the uh
2: Dude, that was Minnesota was on the the right end of that. That was the
0: uh the Oh Minnes- yeah, you're right, you're The right. Minnesota
2: miracle. <laughs> so-
0: that's right. So they got,
2: they got blown out 38-7 in the NFC Championship game. By the yeah, NFL they season.
0: made to the NFC Championship. Definitely, definitely had some struggles there. But you'll agree, super random and Nick Foles, who barely made an NFL roster a couple of years ago when he was on the Rams.
2: Yeah, still can't get over it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely zero sense. That being said i I don't see any 40 to one uh no odd teams out there this year. I mean you, you say that and you're gonna have some team emerge in the NFC championship but I, I like the Vikings if you want to take a flyer and maybe make a little bit of money I would say, possibly the Carolina Panthers at 40-1. I was
2: about to say, your 40-1 teams right now are the Panthers, the Broncos, and the Titans, and the Giants. And the Ravens are 45-1. to So those are the teams that are in the same neighborhood the Eagles were in at the beginning of last year.
0: Yeah, and, you know, the Broncos keep bringing Case Keenum in. Obviously, they have a chance, but the defense is still falling down. They didn't really bring any new pieces in. Still don't really have a running game, so it's going to be relying on – on that passing game with Case Keenum. And Case Keenum was an unknown entity season like, until last right. year, too. Yeah, he's so. Nick Foles
2: 2.0. Yeah, he's a regular season Nick Foles.
0: i, I tell you what. I, I would go ahead and maybe throw 25 on the New York Giants. I think they've brought in some pieces. They're a little bit healthier this year. If they can stay healthy, potentially win the division, but at least get a, get a wild card, get back to that run of, the wild cards winning the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers' here, I, I would take a fly on them.
2: See, I know. I just, you know, David kind of hit on it earlier. Too many ticket counts on the Giants. I'm not trusting Eli. I know he's done that twice with the Super Bowl runs, but that that hey, he's,
0: he's due for another one now. It ended uh, every three or four years.
2: What is he like? Thirty eight now, I and mean, he's just gonna chuck it up to Odell's. His only prayer, Evan Ingram. I mean, Saquon. I, maybe I guess I. You're right. Twenty five bucks. You know, you, you come out winning 1,000, so I mean, there, there are worse things that could happen to you, but in terms of value...
0: I mean, literally don't go eat a Chipotle on a Tuesday night and put it on the Giants and go home and enjoy yourself from the digestive issues that come with it. You're
2: right. I mean, you, you've won in the long run because you didn't eat Chipotle, but... Uh, Vikings, I like that, plus 1,100. I had them written down. I know they're the favorite, and you know you can't get value out of a favorite, but the Patriots at plus 5,500. I think last year coming in the year, they were like plus 200. Uh, Tom Brady, again, you bet 100 bucks, you got a chance to win 550. It's not great odds, but if you want to have something to root for throughout the year, they're going to give themselves a chance. We kind of talked about it. The NFC, it, it looks like the Power Conference this year, the AFC is going to be kind of top-heavy. New England's going to be sitting there in the AFC championship, if you ask me, pretty much by default. So they're going to be one of the final four teams. You never know how it could break. The odds are, are not great, obviously, at plus 550. But there's a decent chance you can – I mean, there's a better chance they – I mean, not – you know, there's a chance they win it. It's not like, you know, one of these, like the Giants, where they're the decent chance they make, don't make the playoffs. The Patriots are going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to be one of the final four teams left by default. So you got that. Um The Vikings, like you said, and then I got the Jaguars written down. I I can't ever bet on the Jaguars to win the big dance as long as Blake Bortles is their quarterback. Like, had they done, (laughs) had they done anything at the position, like with some of those dudes, like, can you imagine if they got Kirk Cousins? Like, I don't think Cousins is the greatest thing in the world, but he's an upgrade over Keenum. He sure as hell would be an upgrade over Bortles. Um, With so many pieces out there this season, I hate that they didn't go out and make a move to upgrade from Bortles. He was fine last year. They they realized, hey, don't ask him to do too much. Rely on this defense. But you got another year of tape on that defense. It, you know, people are going to move the ball a little bit more on them. But you know, they're you're plus eighteen hundred there, so there's some value. Um, don't really. Man, I say.
0: can't I can't believe that you're not ordering portal service this year.
2: I'm not big on the portal service, man. That I just I think they missed a golden opportunity to upgrade this offseason. There were so many quarterbacks out there. Alex Smith on that team. Would Washington give up a third or a fourth to get Alex? Um, that, that would have been great uh, with those. I mean, I, again, I don't think Alex Smith is that good. But you would lose some weapons. You could have got some there. I just don't think the Jackson I think they missed the window. But plus 1,800, the defense is still really good. There's some prayers there. So, like I said, it's it's too hard when you had 40-1 to one teams coming in and winning the Super Bowl. It's not like college football where you go in knowing there are probably about five or six teams that really have a chance to win it all. NFL's so wide open, You the top half of the league can win it. So those are some value plays. But let's get a week one. We're, we're a week-to-week podcast around here. We talked about it. The Thursday night game, you got the Falcons all the way up at plus two. Some places you can find them at plus one. Uh, traveling to Philadelphia tonight to face on the def- to face the defending champion, Eagles. It's minus one now. Eagles are minus one. Uh, Carson Wentz is not going to play. Nick Foles gets to start again. Nick Foles looked doesn't awful.
0: matter if Carson wins the play. They got the damn Super Bowl MVP. Right.
2: I mean, Nick Foles looked awful in preseason, and I think people are buying way too much into that. What do you think?
0: Well, I hate doing this because it goes against one of the principles that I go by in the NFL. Try to throw those out as much as possible in Week One, just because you can't really see any patterns. That being said, public money is coming in on Atlanta for obvious reasons. Nick Foles is starting. He's injured. The Eagles have lost uh, significant pieces like Trey Burton, um, Kendricks on the defense.
2: Well, do they get man. Do they
0: do they get Peters back this year? Is he healthy?
2: Uh, yes, I believe so.
0: Um, but they they lost Legarrette Blount. It may not mean too much, no, but so. he he wasn't a specialist coming in in certain situations. The other side always hated seeing him come in on third and two. It's just a mindset thing. So, I think they have lost enough pieces to make them a little bit worse this year on the other side. Atlanta, totally fresh. Going to be one of the best teams in the uh, NFC. Wish I was getting that plus three that it opened at. Unfortunately, it ran down to one. I like Atlanta to go ahead and straight up win the game, but this is the NFL on Thursday night, anything can happen.
2: So I'm going to take the Eagles, uh, kind of for what you said. the The public is all over the uh, the Falcons. It's like David said earlier. You know, Vegas hasn't had a losing September ever, yeah, ever. Um, so I like the Falcons or I like the Eagles to to get the job done. I'm going to wait till closer to kickoff because I think this might get closer to a pick'em, and the, the, you might see. By kickoff, for the Falcons are a favorite, so you might get a little value with the Eagles. It's a Thursday night game. they the the Philadelphia Eagles won the damn Super Bowl like that. That that's happening. We're saying that they're celebrating that tomorrow. That place is going to be wild. Um,
0: yeah, and, and I'll say uh, the first uh, Thursday night game last season, I believe, was yeah. Patriots Chiefs. Yeah, Chiefs came in and beat the hell out of
2: them. They did, so, but they did yeah. a lot of that in the fourth quarter. You know, the Patriots kind of got thrown off their game, a lot of injuries and stuff. But I I still think I'm going to roll with the Eagles here. Overall, probably the most, more talented roster. You know, Foles, I think people were buying way too much into what the preseason looked like. He had a terrible preseason. But I think that was by design on Doug Peterson's part, like to keep it as vanilla as possible. So give me the Eagles, minus one. Well,
0: and and the only thing I'll add is, is Atlanta is better at quarterback, running back, backup running back, wide receiver in two spots. And on defense in this game.
2: No, not defense. I'll take the Eagles defense over the Falcons nine days a week. <laughs> no, I mean, you clearly
0: don't know the roster.
2: No, I mean, there's so much more talent in Philly. I, I, I like the Eagles. I think they get the job done. Um, it's a little bit different circumstance. The Patriots were celebrating their fifth. This is the Eagles first. This is something like no Eagles fan ever thought they'd see. They're going to be out in droves. It's going to be wild tomorrow night, so give me the Eagles. All right, next up, let's go to the Sunday night game. Uh, the Bears plus seven on the hook at the Packers. Khalil Mack, uh, John Gruden gave him away for two firsts. You know, we're not going to get into that, but Khalil Mack, they're, they're trying to get him up to speed. They say he'll play some. He's probably not going to play the majority of the game, but he'll be kind of a situation situational pass rush guy on Sunday night. I like the Bears getting the seven and the hook. If it was just seven or six and a half, I would probably look towards the Packers, but the, the public's going to be all over the Packers on Sunday night. They're going to be trying to get that money back from the losing day. They're going to take Aaron Rodgers. I think that the uh, the Bears kind of have like a Rams leap this year. So what you saw out of Los Angeles last year, you know, young offensive-minded coach coming in, kind of revamping everything, getting a lot of weapons around Trubisky or in golf in Los Angeles' case last year. Um, you know, not having him have to do it all. You know, get the ball to the weapons. You hit on Trey Burke coming over, or Trey Burton coming over from the Eagles, uh, Allen Robinson coming over from Jacksonville. A lot of talent being surrounded there. I think they keep this close. I think 24-20. Packers will get the outright win. But if you could get Khalil just in a situational pass rush, we know how that uh, that Packers offensive line outside of Bike is not great. So I'll take the uh, the Bears plus seven to the hook on the road Sunday night. What about you?
0: yeah i agree 100 percent. the fact that they went out and got a Mack yeah, and gave up what they did to get him, They i think they're said, close yeah yeah they think they're close they're playing for this year because i mean they gave up their uh their future in the short term obviously to, to me so, this is
2: a team that thinks they're going to be picking in the 20s the late 20s the next couple of years so they didn't mind giving that up sorry go ahead
0: Yeah, so I think Trubisky is a decent quarterback. He's not Blake Bortles, but pretty good. So serviceable. He's got some weapons around him. Jordan Howard in the backfield, very underrated running back. I think the coach they brought in, Players coach, they're playing on Sunday night. You're getting seven and a half because people just remember what happened last year. So... I, I yeah, I absolutely love the Bears this weekend. I'll yep. definitely be on this game. I'm with you for, favorite, entertainment, for, for entertainment
2: purposes. Entertainment purposes only, of course. Yeah, one of my favorite Sunday, or one of my favorite NFL games this weekend. All right, so two Monday night games. Jets plus seven at the Lions and then Rams minus four in the hook at the Raiders. We haven't really um I don't know, not the most enticing Monday night matchups to open up the year. Sam Darnold making his first start. I guess that's something to tune into. We're not gonna pick both of them. What's, what's your favorite Monday night game, Boo? Who are you on?
0: Uh, man, this is a tough one. I would say unless
2: you really like both of them, then then give them out.
0: <laughs> I really don't like them. Yeah, but I, I'm with you. If, if I'm going to take one of them, I'm going to go ahead and just take the Lions because I have no faith in Samantha Darnold. Samantha, you say? Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see her go out there and get hit a couple of times and see if. If it's actually the real deal or
2: not. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, also, like the Lions, again, the Raiders in almost any other circumstance would be a big play for me, plus four and a half at home and the public's all over the road favorites. But I just, I don't know. They Gruden hasn't done anything this offseason to, uh, to inspire too much confidence in me from what he's done from the roster. Uh, I think they'll be a little better this year. Just because they had a really rough lo- season last year. But I, I Oh
0: yeah, no, I think I think the Raiders have have a good bounce back season just because they were so overvalued coming into last year, right. and now nobody in hell is gonna want to bet on You're right, this year, but I especially at the, the beginning season.
2: I think the Rams are pretty good. McVay's got the primetime spotlight. He'll try to put up some points if he can. So I'm gonna stay if he, so I'm gonna stay away from that one. I guess, yeah, like I said, if I had to take one, give me the Lions minus seven here. All right, so that's our scheduled NFL games for the week. You know what we like to do? We like to get you involved. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all over the place, or in real life, like our uh, friend of the program Eddie did. Uh, Boomer Eddie has a question for you. You know, the past couple of years, Baker Mayfield's so hot right now. Uh, he's been all the rage. Eddie wants to know who's so hot right now. Now that Baker's gone, who's our college football? He's so hot right now.
0: Man, I don't know. I mean, you just you think about all those. Uh dreamy west coast guys that are kind of coming in and unfortunately there's nobody really stands out to me right now because you know it's not it's not just the looks it's the personality right Right, of course it's all personality we haven't really seen the personality shine in anybody yet so uh, i'll have to i'll have to wait and reserve that one for a later time
2: okay so we'll get that later in the season i'm sure all right so uh, let's get to the vault like i said it's our five favorite off the board games of the weekend Um, Boomer, let's hear it. Just go right into it. Give us your five favorite non-primetime games.
0: Yeah, so I will go ahead and start out with, uh, you know, the service academies. You know, I'm a big uh, patriot, really into uh, the servicemen and women. So I'm going to go ahead and take Army and eat the nine. Liberty had an outstanding blowout win last week. I think that they will be riding high. I think that there is no chance in hell that they have that happen at all the rest of the season. Give me Army. They put it up against a very good dude team, only lost by 10, um, and with some terrible, terrible fumbles, very uncharacteristic. I think they fumbled the ball twice in one half. They fumbled the ball four times all season last year. Not going to happen again this weekend, take Army. Then I'm going to get back to one of my favorites, old uh, steady, tied, and true New Mexico Lobos. Getting 34 in the hook up in Madison. It's a 12 o'clock game. Most of those kids will still be passed out in the damn quad by the start of the damn game. So, I think, you know, Wisconsin, they don't care. Go in there get a win. This will probably hop up to 35 by the time the game starts. Then, mentioned earlier, Duke getting two and a half against Northwestern. Northwestern played well last week. Broke my heart they beat uh, the Boilermakers, but don't think that happens again this week. I think Cuckliff actually has a team around him. Duke may be a surprise in the ACC. Go ahead and take the points where you can. Then I'm going to go with another service academy that totally let me down last week, yeah. and uh, I let a lot of other people down maybe uh, ended your Saturday night or Sunday morning terribly. I'm going to go with Navy, this time getting seven points at home in Annapolis around the the destroyers and battleships against Memphis. I think they slow it down. Look, Hawaii might be a good team for all we know. They could have come out of nowhere this year. I'm getting seven. I'm going to go ahead and take it. Then figured opening NFL season – I'll go ahead and pick a game. Unfortunately, it's going to have to be a winner because I'm going with the Arizona Cardinals minus one and a half at home against the new Alex Smith Washington Redskins. Okay. Take the money, on.
2: All right, so let's go through that again. we got Army minus nine. New Mexico plus 34 and a half. Duke plus two and a half. Navy plus seven. And the Arizona Cardinals minus one and a half on Sunday. All right, so I'm going to start you off from my vault. We're going out to uh, Norman, Oklahoma, and we're taking the UCLA Bruins plus 30. Uh, they are bad. They're not very good. They got beat at home by Cincinnati last week as 14 and a half point favorites. I was on the Bearcats in that game, so that was a nice win. But we're going to take the, the Bruins in this one, plus 30. I think had they won, done what they were supposed to do, this would probably be about 24, half, somewhere in there. Over-adjustment, the public is all over Oklahoma. You know, FAU, I was on FAU, but a lot of the stuff I've been reading, I kind of regret it, obviously, but it was, you know, in the moment. But a lot of the stuff I've been reading, they kind of bought into their own hype a little bit too much. They've been drinking their own Kool-Aid a little bit this offseason. Kind of just, you know, going through the motions at practice because everybody's saying, oh, you're just going to walk to a Conference USA title. It showed last weekend. They got the break speed off of them. Oklahoma, they're getting a little bit more overvalued. Chip Kelly, he lost that first game at Oregon, too, when they lost to Boise. I think he'll have them a little bit better prepared this weekend. Plus 30 is a good number there. Next, Boomer, you hit on the service academies, but you missed Air Force. Air Force is getting nine and a half. Talk about that FAU team. Uh, they're still a little overhyped. They're licking their wounds a little bit after that loss in Norman. I think one more close call against Air Force is going to get their attention. Lane will get them going, but... Uh, I think uh, Florida-Atlanta ekes one out, so I'm going to take the nine-and-a-half here for Air Force. Next up, Saturday night, late night, Michigan State traveling to Arizona State. Herm Edwards, nice win in his debut last week. Uh, they beat the hell out of the, I believe, UTSA, San Antonio. Um
0: Big the road, road runners? They, yeah, it broke my heart right there. I don't think you could be on them
2: this year. Yeah, they were a 17 point dog. Ended up losing like 56 to seven. Herm, uh, good good debut. Uh, Michigan State, D'Antoni and the boys did not look good on Friday night. Had to survive against a Utah State team that's uh, probably not the best in the world. But their six point road dog, or road favorites. I think this would have been like 10, maybe 14, a couple weeks ago. Everybody's freaking out a little bit. I still like Michigan State to roll in this one, so I'm going to eat the six, Michigan State minus six. Next up, let's go Sunday. Give me the Browns plus four. Hard knocks, baby. Um, I think the Browns are much improved. The Steelers, you got the offensive linemen coming out today calling out Le'Veon Bell, saying get your ass to the game or get your ass to the team. Um He's not playing this weekend. It's not because Le'Veon isn't playing. It's just there's a rift in the locker room. I saw a guy tweeting about it earlier, and I completely agree. Year in and year out, Pittsburgh's got the most talented roster in the league. There's just always something going on there, whether it's Antonio Brown on Facebook Live causing rift or Le'Veon not showing up. There's something going on there always. They're always underperforming. Give me the Browns plus four. You know, here's something I heard in the offseason, and it's all I'll say about the Browns. Uh, You know, they got to talking to some of the Hard Knocks crew. Obviously, they were the HBO Hard Knocks team this year. And they said that in all their years of doing this, they've never seen a team that was just, like, more prepared mentally and focused at practice, like, while they were going through this. Like, you could tell there was a sense of urgency. Like, we we can't do this again. We've got to come out and be a completely different team. So, I, I think that's something to look for. They're going to rebound a lot this year. Browns plus four on Sunday. And then let's go back. Friday Night Lights, the only weeknight college football game this year, which is or this week because uh, the NFL's got the Thursday night game. SMU plus 22 in the hook. Friday night, the Mustangs playing TCU. A little bit of a reaction from last week. SMU got beat pretty bad by North Texas. SM, or uh, TCU. Had a pretty nice win, but I like SMU plus 22 in the hook here on a Friday night game, short week. Give me the points. So, again, rattle off real quick. UCLA plus 30, Air Force plus 9 in the hook, Michigan State minus 6, the Browns plus 4, and SMU plus 22.5. It's time. It's everybody's favorite time of the week. It's the Deep Fried Bets podcast special. We're drinking cold beers. We're picking winners. It's the Stone Cold Steve Austin Lock of the Week.
0: Boom. How excited are you? Yeah, there's going to be a damn tide of beer flowing through this week.
2: Okay. Who is it?
0: Yeah. Oh, that, the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know how much I love them, how much uh, they mean to me. I think they're going to roll this weekend. To the tune of winning by 35 points, just under the spread of 36 and a half. Give me Arkansas State from the Fun Bill, baby. They are the favorites going into the season to win the division. Sabin already had his blowout last week. He doesn't need to humiliate two people in two weeks, never does. The uh, record of him physically abusing somebody is higher than I. him actually beating a team by more than 40 points in the week after, winning by 35 points. So give me the uh, – is it the Red Wolves? Yeah, I think Arkansas the Red State? Wolves
2: now. Yeah, they, they switch
0: it up. Give them to me, man. I'm all about it. Sunbelt, Sunbelt. Let's get it going.
2: Yeah, I had that written down uh, for one of my games. Obviously, can't pick against the Tide, but I like that too. Um, Saban is 0-6. After a neutral site win in week one um, against the spread in week two, if if that makes sense. So he covered the spread last week against Louisville. He's 9-0 and in these neutral site game or 6-0. I can't remember exactly what the number is, but he doesn't ever cover in this second week is what I'm getting at. So it's a good pick. I like it, but I can't go there. I'm going South Florida, plus three in the hook. They're playing Georgia Tech. 80% of the public is on Georgia Tech. A uh, little talked about South Florida last year. Charlie Strong, they gave UCF everything they wanted and more uh, the day uh, after Thanksgiving. Hell of a, probably one of the games of the year. Top five college football game of the year last year. Central Florida, or South Florida, they do what they do. Charlie Strong is a good coach. Great coach at the power, or at the non power five level. I think they get the outright win. Uh, Blake Barnett, you know, he was a five-star guy, went to Alabama, then went to Arizona State. He had a hell of a debut for the Bulls last weekend. They're at home. They're catching three in the hook, and they are the uh, the public's all over Georgia Tech. So give me South Florida plus three and a half as my Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week.
0: Yeah, so there, i have just throw out uh, there's a couple of honorable mentions that I had just stood out to me. Yeah. But that involved the uh, team from Week zero. We'll find out this week how uh, how terrible both those teams were. But you got Wyoming is getting eighteen and a half against uh, Missouri, who obviously the jury's still out on. Right. And then you got New Mexico State getting now twenty four uh, after how well Utah State played last weekend. I think uh, both of those could potentially be be winners
2: right there. Yeah, I had Utah, or New Mexico State written down as well. You're right. That is all predicated on the fact that Utah State kept it close Friday night. Um, I'll throw out a couple more just interesting nuggets. Vanderbilt, eight-and-a-half point favorites against Nevada. 66% of the public's on Nevada. Nevada had a good offensive showing last week, but it's an 11 a.m. local kick at Vanderbilt, which is like 9 a.m. in Nevada. That's something you got a little body clock adjustment first week of the year. So Vanny minus eight in the hook. Um another crazy line movement I saw that I'll give you Kansas is a, a five point road dog to central Michigan. They lost to nickel state Kansas Kansas is awful. Um but they were a seven point underdog yet seventy eight percent of the public is on central Michigan but the line has moved two points in Kansas's favor. So that's something you got to look at. Public money, you know, the $20, $25, $50 bettors, they might be on Central Michigan, but the big money uh, bettors are moving the Kansas line towards the Jayhawks. I'm not touching them, but that's something you might want to look out for. All right, so that does it for this week. It's Chapter 4.2 of the Deep Fried Bets podcast. Again, huge thanks to Laura Rutledge and David Purdom for joining us this week. Y'all please do us all a favor, go on iTunes, like the show, subscribe, rate, and review. It'll take you like thirty seconds to do it. Um, it's you know, it helps us out a ton. Get those metrics up. You know, so we can do even more for you from a week to week basis. Be sure to check us out, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're all over the place. Boomer, what do you send us off on the weekend with?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'll also add to that that sharing is caring, and we can all just, you know. ELE, everybody love each other. Amen, brother. In this world. But that being said, please gamble for fun, not money. But if you need money, go sell your valuables and go put it on uh, one of the games that we just gave out this week.
2: That's right. You can't go wrong selling your valuables so you can get two valuables instead of one valuable. That's it, folks. It's the Deep Fried Bets podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Tell your friends about it, and we'll catch you next week.